This Sunday is the kickoff for small groups in our church. Small group, a small group kickoff Sunday. And as I mentioned earlier, I believe that small groups are central to a healthy church. They're central to our church. I don't think I say this enough. I think maybe sometimes I take our small groups for granted. <laughs> Forgive me. They're a vital part of our church. They're a vital time for us to connect with each other, to pray for each other, to encourage each other, to challenge each other in faith, to grow, to study God's word together, and to not just go on our own understanding, but to check our understanding with others, to listen to our brothers and sisters as we grow together in faith. It's my desire that every one of you would be a part of a small group. Every one of you would be part of a smaller community. That as a church, we would, not, we would move beyond being a church with small groups, that we'd become a church of small groups. A church where every person belongs to a group. Every person is a part of a smaller group that meets together. That no person would be left alone to try and figure out faith on their own. Or that no person would, would try to figure out faith on their own thinking, I don't need a group. We need these groups to become healthier in Christ. It's interesting, as I read this story, or as I've been thinking and praying about this story of, of Stephen throughout the week, I realize that he encourages us to be faithful. He encourages us in this relationship with God. As it says, actually in a few places here in this chapter, of, uh, chapter 6 of Acts, it says that Stephen was filled with faith and with the Spirit. Here just now it said that he was filled with grace and with power. That when he spoke, he spoke with wisdom and by the Spirit. Stephen is filled with God's Spirit. He has the sort of character that, that we aspire to. He has the character that I desire for each of us. It says that he was filled with grace. Now, I looked up grace, and there's different connotations. Sometimes grace can be, can be charming. Sometimes grace can be good in crowds and, and able to, to, to talk with people. But as I was thinking about the scriptural idea of faith, or excuse me, of grace, grace has more this connotation of being gentle. Now, sometimes we think of gentle, and we confuse that with being weak. And we confuse that with being... Um, uh, easily pushed over. Gentle is different. I know some of the strongest people who are gentle. They still choose to be gentle. It seems actually it's the opposite, that it's the weak or those who, are, who struggle, who can't be gentle. So it's this gentleness, but also this forgiveness that, that like God's grace for us, it's forgiving. This ability to forgive. And I think about this even in something as simple as conversations. Whether it's conversations with our spouse or with our family, with our friend or neighbor, even people of our church. Imagine how grace plays out if you were filled with grace. We have conversations and as happens with anybody, something is said, someone says something that's hard or rude, that hurts us. You know, maybe in, an ungracious, in our ungracious moments we respond back, we want to hurt back, we want to defend ourselves. But when we're filled with grace, we respond differently. We forgive. Maybe we still say, why would you say that? That hurt. But we still forgive. We still look for ways to bring the conversation back to a fruitful and a productive conversation. That's what being filled with grace looks like. But it also says that Stephen was filled with power. 
Now, I'm not sure. It doesn't explain more. It just says power. But I can't help but wonder if maybe, because he was one of the deacons who fed uh, the widows, the Greek widows, I can't help but wonder if maybe his power was something different than we expect. Maybe his power was this maturity that God had blessed him with. This Christian maturity. This faithfulness. This power to speak to people, to talk with people. And not just to give off advice, but actually invite people to listen to them, to encourage them, uh, to encourage their heart, to speak in ways that, that draw people out. It's interesting, and I think about this, and we begin to think, how do we get there? And it's, it's by spending time with God. But maybe some of you are thinking, you know, that's great for Stephen, but I'll never be there. I'll never be, able, I'll never be like that. It's just not who I am. People don't change. You know, I was actually today, it was actually this week, I was reading um, in a different uh, thing about small groups, but um, it was talking about Bill Hybels. I'm not sure if you're familiar. He's a, a pastor of a large church in the U.S. And when he was young, uh, a member of the church came up to him. He said, Bill, you know, I'm going to do you a favor. Every Sunday you get up here and you preach your heart out, hoping that people will change. I'm here to tell you people don't change. I just want to save you the pain. And this young pastor looked at him and he said, I have bet my life on the fact that you are wrong. Sometimes, maybe even sometimes you think this too, that you know, people don't change. I'm not going to change. I'm too old to change or I'm too set in my ways or I'm too young to change. I'm here to bet my life. I'm here to bet my life on the fact that you're wrong. I've seen it. I've seen people change. I've seen the way that I've changed, the way that God's grace has changed me and is continuing to change me, to make me more and more like him. I've heard your stories. You've told me of the ways that used to be when you were young. And then Christ took hold of your life and changed you. God's grace made you gracious. I believe that God changes us. I've seen it. But this change doesn't come easy. It doesn't come by a pill. It doesn't come by a 30-day diet. It comes the way that it's always come for centuries, for generations, through spending time with Christ. Sorry, there's no shortcuts. It comes by spending time with God. Spending time with Him in prayer. And I'm not talking about just making your, your to-do list for God longer. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying praying in a way that you sometimes listen to God. That you sit quietly and you listen for him to speak. Or sometimes just sitting and just enjoying the fact that you are with there, that God is with you in that moment. I think about spending God in times too by journaling. I mean, maybe if you're like me, if I start praying for anything more than five minutes... My mind starts to wander, and next thing you know, I'm thinking about stuff I need to do and, <laughs> and other things that I want to be uh, thinking about for that day. But journaling helps. I'm writing it out. It keeps me on track. I just write out my prayer to God, my questions, some of the answers that I'm coming to, some of the things I'm hearing from Him. It's a way of writing out prayer. Well, I think about, too, about worship and about the ways that we gather here and we sing our prayer to God. Even just now, as we were just singing, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. 
That's a prayer sung. But also, too, I think about worship for our entire lives. Our, our whole life can be an act of worship. I think about planting flowers in gardens. I think about pulling wire, washing windows. These things can all be acts of devotion. As we sing and we do them, maybe not out loud, maybe just under our breath, praising God while we work. These are all things that we do to spend time with God. But an important one, too, is reading God's word. You know, praying and singing, but also listening to God's word speak to us. Now, that's different. I mean, I'm not talking about just plowing through a chapter of, of scripture. That can be helpful. You can get a lot of good information doing that. I'm talking about reading a little bit differently. Less of reading for information, more of reading for transformation. Taking a small passage of scripture and reading it once and then praying, God, what are you saying? Then coming back and reading it again and praying, Lord, what are you saying to me in this? Coming back and reading it again and saying, Lord, what are you saying for your people in this? Coming back and reading again and praying, God, speak to me by your spirit. Again and again, reading God's word, chewing on each word. It's sort of different. It's not common for people to read like that, even the word of God. But I even think about two is about speaking with a friend. Reading God's word and letting it fill us, letting it change us, but also speaking with a faithful friend about God's word or about life. And by faithful, I mean two things. One, I mean faithful in the sense that they too are following Christ. They too are being transformed. That they will give you advice or counsel that fits with the word of God. But by faithful, I also mean someone that you can trust. Someone that you can speak about things that are going on in your life or things that you're reading or questions that you have. And they'll be faithful with that. You can trust them with it. These conversations are good for us as well. God speaks to us oftentimes through other believers, especially faithful friends. In Proverbs, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend who would speak honestly with us, who would challenge us, call us to more. These are all things that Christians have been doing for centuries to get to know Christ better, to spend time with him. So as I hear about Stephen, I think his, his, the, his character, the way his faith works, the way he is, his grace and his power he has, he encourages us to spend time with God. But it happens the same way it's always happened, by taking the time to spend with God. There's no shortcuts. But I think about it too, as we grow in our relationship with Christ, as we draw closer to him, we'll also become more passionate become more passionate, and God will fill us with power. Power that will change us. Power that will change other people. It says that Stephen was filled with power. Now, we start thinking about this, and I don't know how many of you assume that he's probably talking about power to heal people. Maybe it is. Maybe it's power like Peter and John had when they walked up the steps to the synagogue and they healed that man who had been crippled since birth. Maybe it was the same thing. But also, too, maybe it was power in a different sense. I can't help but wonder if maybe this power was in a broader sense. Again, Peter is a deacon in the church, one who cares for the widows and the orphans of their church. I can't help but wonder if maybe this power was more this ability to heal people's soul, to bring healing to people's heart, 
You see, often, well, right now we live in a time where healing people physically is elevated. Like that's a real miracle. And there are real miracles. There are miracles of people who are healing their bodies. But somehow, it's almost as if like spiritual healing, someone coming to know Jesus, like somehow that's not as, as valued. Or even people healed at a heart level, healed emotionally. About the, from the brokenness of their lives, realizing how deeply God loves them, that sometimes can be diminished too. It's funny how that works. I don't quite understand that. I think about how many people will be limping into the kingdom of heaven, praising God for the healing he's brought to their life spiritually and, and at a heart level. That God is at work in whole people. I can't help but wonder if maybe Stephen had this, this was the power that he had. This ability to talk and to listen with people, to draw people out, to encourage them in this new life that they find meaning, they find hope. That he speaks with them in a way that he asks them, how are you doing? And really listened and encouraged them, not just with pat answers like, read your Bible more or pray harder, but encourage people and listen to them. Spoke honestly with them. Encourage them to read scripture. <laughs> I believe the answers for life are in scripture. But in a way that, that drew people out, that helped them in faith. I can't help but wonder if maybe this is the sort of power he's talking about. The thing is, as we grow in this power, as we grow and become more passionate about sharing this good news of Jesus, as we become more passionate in what Jesus is doing in our lives, we'll want to share it with other people. We'll want to bless our community. We'll want to do things in our community as a blessing to others so they might know what we know. We'll also spend time sharing with our friends, looking for opportunities to talk with them about Jesus, the way that he's changed our life, the way we were living one direction and then Christ got a hold of us and we turned around and we began following him and how it's changed us. We'll want to share this with people. We'll want to share this. We'll want to be a blessing to people all over the world, caring for those who, who don't even have food to eat, for children who are left orphaned because their, their parents have died from AIDS or from starvation or from lack of clean water. As we become more passionate, more closer in a relationship with Jesus, we become more passionate as people. The thing is, this passion will bring about a reaction from people. The more passionate we are, the more the reaction we'll get. Sometimes the reaction is not so good. I mean, Stephen, as we heard about it, as he was talking with people and, and the reaction went bad, the, the Hellenized Greeks or, the, or sorry, the Hellenized Jewish people, the Jewish people who lived in other parts of the Mediterranean, like Cyrene or, or Alexandria or Asia, they started to, to debate him and argue with him, but they couldn't stand up against the wisdom and the spirit that he had, the spirit by which he spoke. So finally they got together some, a false witness and they took him before the Sanhedrin. They took him before the, the council and they bring false accusations against him, that he said things against Moses and against God, against the temple and against the law. Sometimes it will go bad, sometimes there will be backlash. The more passionate we become, the more we speak of Christ and the way he's changed us, the more we'll get people who say, that's ridiculous. The more they'll want us to be quiet. 
That happens. I think about Rudy, your story today. About telling people about your faith. And some of the backlash that there might have been from that. People don't want to hear about it. They don't want to hear about the fact that we are broken people. That we need salvation. That we need God's grace. People want to think I can do it on my own. I can just get myself sorted out. But we need God's grace. It's interesting. I was watching a, a clip on Alpha, uh, the study for new believers and for people who are seeking Christ. And they were doing interviews with people on the street. And they were talking this one and asked this one lady, and you know, she said, I don't know why Christians have to tell everybody about it. I don't understand why the Christians can't just go to church and talk with each other about Jesus. Why do they have to keep telling me? And my heart broke because she doesn't understand. It's not that I'm trying to push anything on people. It's not that we're trying to make people follow certain rules. It's that Jesus has changed our lives. It's that his grace has changed us, has made us new people, new creations. We've experienced forgiveness for everything that we've ever done, the things that we regret, the things that we've done that have hurt people. We've received forgiveness for this, and our, the distance between us and God has been, has been closed. We've been reconciled, made right with God. This is what we want for people. This is why we tell people about Christ, because we want this for them too. We want them to know this new life that we found. It's not life more easy, but it is life more full. Life filled with joy, despite the struggles we face. Joy filled with compassion for those who are struggling Life filled with hope. As hard as things get, that we still have hope that one day things will be made right. That one day Christ will come. He will set this world right. Things will be good again. And we will be with him. We want this for people. But still surprisingly, for some people that's not good news. I don't understand why. But here's the cool thing. This is the great part. Thus, there might be some backlash. The good news is there will also be amazing blessings. Imagine it. Imagine that friend that you've been talking with for years, who you've been, been a faithful friend and encouraging them, praying for them. Imagine that day when they finally realize who Jesus is. They finally realize that Jesus, he wasn't just some great teacher, that he was actually the Son of God who died that we might have life. Imagine the moment they realize that. The moment they set down all their shame and all their regret. They set all that down and they turn away and they begin following Christ. They devote their life to him. Imagine that moment when they begin to experience this new life that we've talked about. This new life filled with meaning. That life is more than just trying to go through days, trying to get as far ahead as we can. That life is more than that, so much more than that. That they can understand this and to realize this grace that we've received. This amazing love of God that, and the extent that he's gone to to save us. Imagine what that day will be like. The more, the more passionate we become about faith, the more deeper we go into a relationship with Jesus, the, passion, the more passionate we will become. 
the more we'll share people, we'll share with people about Christ and who he is and what he's done. I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning. Spend time with God. Grow deeper in your relationship with him. I pray on my knees to the Father for whom every family in heaven and earth derives their name. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he would strengthen you by his spirit in your inner being and that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith. I pray that that you being rooted and established in love, that you know together with all the saints just how wide and long, how high and deep is this love of Christ. That you would know this love, this amazing love that surpasses all knowledge, that you would be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. And that out of this love, out of this relationship with Christ, you would be more passionate. You would share this faith with people. You continue serving and blessing our community. As we become more passionate, there's going to be more reaction. Some people, it will be hard. Some people won't like it, but many people, many people will, their lives will be changed by it. I want to encourage you in this. Continuing drawing closer to Jesus. Focus everything on your relationship with him, and these other things will come. Spend time with him. That's how it happens. That's how it's always happened. Spend time with Christ. You will be transformed. The people that you hang around with, your friends and your neighbors, God will transform them through you. Our community will be changed. We'll begin to look like God's kingdom. I want to encourage you with this good news this morning. Amen.